Welcome to the Strategics Podcast. This is episode 31, where we ask the paradigm-shifting question, is it the end of the world as we know it? So we're going to talk a little bit about Canadian politics this week, and uh, with the election of Jagmeet Singh as the leader of the New Democratic Party in Canada, we've seen a generational shift in the leaders. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, who is 45 years old, is now the oldest of the three leaders. Uh, Andrew Scheer and Jagmeet, both at 38. So at 53, I feel like I haven't accomplished anything. (laughs) Get to (laughs) work, Atul. Really? What am I waiting for? (laughs) So what we want to talk about today is, does this mean a different kind of campaign? Does it mean uh, that we're going to see more young people voting in elections while we've seen an apathy amongst young voters? Will this shift this? Will it change? And to discuss this, we've got Jeff Rowan, Michelle McKenzie, and special guest Ramiro Mora. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. So let's ask the question. And Ramiro, we'll start with you. Is the changing face of Canadian politics the end of the world as we know it? I don't think so. I think, if anything, it's uh, it's it's inspiring. I think it. Um, you know, I mean, politics has to reflect society as a whole. And uh, I think that's starting to happen. And with the election of Jagmeet Singh as the leader of the uh, of a major political party, you're seeing that shift. And I think it's a very positive thing. Uh, I was an advisor on his campaign. Uh, he engaged a lot of people who otherwise weren't necessarily engaged in uh, party politics. And uh, we saw that in the result. I mean, to win on the first ballot, which uh, I don't I don't think a lot of people predicted. Uh, it was a very decisive win. And uh, it was in large part based on the fact that he attracted a lot of young people, millennials, and also um, uh, people from uh, uh, visible minority groups as well. So I think it's actually a good thing. I think, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's part of our process as, as a country. I mean, we're, uh, we're, we're growing as a country. We, uh, we're multicultural, and that's starting to reflect. And it has for some time, to a certain degree reflected in our politics. Well, that was a statesmanlike answer, <laughs> Romero. I think uh, you, you'll be announcing your candidacy soon. That was, that was beautiful. Um, I think he's too old now at 40. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be my, my first observation would be, you know, is 38 young for the young dis, uh, disenchanted audience. But so I'll, I'll pick up on, on where Romero uh, was going there. So I think it is a good thing. I think in an, from an optimistic point of view, it's the beginning of a new world, perhaps of engagement of a new generation of people in the political process. Um, these are people who've been, you know, every poll you see, young people, everybody is, is disenchanted with politicians, but young people, especially, are disenchanted with politicians. They don't see anything there for them. They don't see any of themselves. So to a small degree, maybe this helps um, address that. My concern is that, and, and you guys are the guys who have run campaigns and worked inside campaigns. I'm a communicator, uh, but you know what I see being communicated is pretty much more the same, pretty much middle of the road. Everybody's fighting to be liked. I want to be liked by everybody. Um, and so the frustration then becomes, you know, minute degrees of difference to, to, to pick who I'm going to go for. So, that, that, I mean, I throw it back to, to all of you, the experts. 
how are they differentiating themselves in a way that is going to really engage the new generation? So I think uh, there's nothing new about generational change. It's just the first time that it's happened to us, which is why it's so shocking. Um, you know, when I was 38 and 45, certainly I felt like I had enough of a professional career in education behind me that I had something to contribute and that I had something to say about, you know, how things should be run and led and conducted. So certainly when I was that age, I would have felt that you could be a leader at that age. You know, now that I'm a little bit older, it's a little bit shocking to me. <laughs> Again, as you said, a tool, I've got to get on it and start doing something. <laughs> but um, just back to what you were saying, Jeff, I think um, two things. First off, we're starting to see not a difference in marketing techniques, but in marketing tools. And, and we're getting leaders uh, now who grew up with social media and understand how to manipulate that to get their message across. And, you know, by the very fact that they are doing that, um, we, we become a, a secondary market for them because that's not how we are used to getting our information, particularly around major policy issues, whereas the younger generation is. To, to them, it's very natural to have that kind of debate where we think it's a surface debate. So I think um, that is going to be very interesting to watch because all three of these leaders now are, are quite astute in their social media. Um, the other thing that, that I'm seeing is that, um, contrary to what you said, um, I don't think the leaders care about having everybody like them anymore. I think they care about having a certain segment that they know is going to come to the ballot box on the day that, that it actually matters to them. So I think actually what we're seeing is um, more segmentation uh, in the leadership and the politics that, that we're, we're experienced now. And, and I think that's just going to continue to happen in the future on a larger scale. Would you say that compared to U.S. politics? I mean, that's what I'm thinking, is I'm thinking that here we have a U.S. president who has forcefully ignored a significant portion of the electorate to focus on arguably a third, 30 to 35 percent. I was thinking of it more in a Canadian context, definitely. Um, but I, I do see it happening more and more here, and I think it's been creeping in here, quite frankly, since uh, since the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, Bob Ray won with 36% of the vote. In Ontario. In Ontario, yes. yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Which so, is the lowest uh, vote that you could get, apparently, in Ontario for a majority government. Right. So yeah. people thought it was 38, 39, 40% before that, but he... The splits worked in his favor. So. Well, you've always got to adjust here for the three-party system, though, that creates more, right. more mm -hmm. of a natural divide. But just in terms of, I mean, so when I look at, you know, the, the Jagmeet Singh controversy, and I'm doing air quotes around controversy, uh, around whether or not he would renounce the uh, Punjab separatist movement, um, the argument or, or one point of view being that he didn't want to do that because that might possibly alienate one strata of his uh, of his work of his, his voters. That's one theory, and I mean, obviously, I don't know Mr. Singh, so I, I don't know. Um, we have someone know, who what, does. Yes, I know. So, uh, so I will ask him this, but you know, he potentially might not have the background to make an informed opinion mm -hmm. on that. And as a leader, he's got to be informed before mm -hmm. he states his opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say this. I mean, I, I'm sure we all watched the uh, 
the Terry Molesky interview, or at least know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, as far as I'm concerned, he, he answered the question. So, so two things on that. So first of all, I think the reporter has a right to ask a question. Um, so I give Mr. Molesky the benefit of the doubt on that. Uh, and I, and second of all, I do think that Jagmeet Singh answered uh, the question. Uh, he renounced wholeheartedly. He rejected uh, extremism and he, re- he rejected terrorism. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think that matter has been dealt with. And uh, I think we have to focus on what Jagmeet actually brings to the conversation, which is what a lot of millennials are talking about. So uh, his campaign focused on uh, a lot of socially progressive issues, uh, precarious work, which is obviously very relevant to, uh, to millennials. So it would be a disservice, I think, to focus on Jagmeet's uh, religion. I think uh, Mr. Molesky asked the question. Jagmeet, as far as I'm concerned, answered it. And I think it would be beneficial to actually focus on what he brings policy-wise to the greater debate, which is what uh, what we need in Canada. Okay. And, and I, I agree with that. And I'm, I'm sorry if I misspoke, but I was trying to say that as oh, a Canadian uh, politician, it's it's not necessary for him to have a opinion on a separatist movement in another country. Well, so I, I want to. I want to. Yep. Call a little bit of BS here and try to make this controversial. Because, <laughs> you know, that, that sounded very much like a political advisor's answer, which is, well, we've dealt with it, it's time to move on. But clearly the media hasn't moved on. They're still discussing uh, this issue. And it's not like, you know, I mean, they say, well, why didn't uh, Terry ask Brian Mulroney about the IRA? Well, there's a different relationship between Canada and the IRA and between Canada and the Punjab separatist movements. Uh, you know, not the least of which is that many Canadians died in the in the Air India crash, but also that I, th- I think Jagmeet actually uh, introduced uh, a bill to recognize the. At some point, you, you can get the de- you can correct me on the details, but there is more of a connection there between Canada and that separatist movement, yeah. uh, and so it is. You know, I I don't have a horse in this race, as they say. Um, you know, I. Don't like extremism in any form. Uh, I've become fully Canadian in that regard. But you know, it, it still is. It is not. It has not been conclusively dealt with, and we're not ready to just move on um, and and forget about it. But well, before sorry, before sorry, Romero gets into it. So, what is the 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 greater relationship that Canada has with that issue? I mean, there was a terrorist attack, yes, but that's the separatist movement. Uh, was which is now defunct. I understand largely. Well, but. it's it's there, but it's it's not related. Like it's it's the act happened because of separatists who mm. decided to do that, and they happened to be in Canada and, and did that. But beyond that, I'm not sure. Well, the leader of the party of of, of the NDP uh, did. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't he introduce legislation to recognize the separatists? The sick, the sick, gen- uh, sick genocide, I believe. So I mean, it is part of of. So I've, I've known Jagmeet since he, since he was elected in 2011. Um, it obviously is part of who he is. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where he came from that uh, um, has impacted his politics. Um, for me, I mean, I worked very closely with him on issues uh, such as affordability. So Jagmeet was a champion on um, auto insurance, for example, reducing auto insurance. Because for, for, for some reason, Brampton has the highest, I'm not sure if they still do, the highest auto insurance rates in all of Canada. Mm-hmm. So Jagmeet was successful in being their champion and also bringing that issue to the forefront, so much so that uh, 
the premier introduced 15% off auto insurance rates to deal with this issue. So, uh, I mean, it, so to your point, Jeff, absolutely. It, um, these, these issues do, um, they are part of who he is. I mean, sick politics is where he's from, but he's so much more than that. And for me, um, I just hope the media focuses on the broader issues, uh, as f- for him as, as a party leader now, as opposed to this, you know, this uh, one specific issue or uh, s- some specific issues in regards well, to and, and and politics. In general, I agree with you. I'd rather see current substantive issues being discussed and addressed. And he can do that, I think, by um, renouncing the that the, the terrorist who still has his image up on uh, a temple somewhere, uh, and and you know may, maybe we can move on from that. So my but my whole point in this doesn't represent the entire religion. I mean, there will be people. No, but he has he has views. he has to a certain degree he has established that he has a relationship and an interest in this issue, and Canada has a special relationship by virtue of the area. My my point being uh, not that I want to you know litigate this whole. Issue, but rather that going back to my original point of, um, you know, trying to keep your, your whole, every possible voter intact. So, you know, so the, the view seemed from me to me seems to be he doesn't forcefully renounce this specific individual who continues to be lionized because there is a segment of the population that supports that person and supports uh, a separate state and he doesn't want to alienate that, those people. So that's, that's where I'm, bringing all this back around to is, you know, do, do I want everyone to like me and, or, or am I going to say this is what I stand for and um, I'll take the voters that come with that? So to that, I mean, I would say from my relationship with Joe Mead and what I've seen during his leadership and before, what he stands for for me is our progressive values. I mean, that's I'm, that kind of sounds like a cop out. I know you're smiling at me right now, Jeff, but I have to say, I mean, um, his campaign was based on socially progressive issues. So um, whether that be, you know, LGBTQ, environmental, First Nations. So that's that's who he is. That's okay. consistently who he is. So, so how does he differentiate himself from Trudeau, who pretty much paints himself in the exact same picture? And, you know, to a lesser extent from Scheer, who's going to be moving closer to that centrist. Well, uh, that's... I don't know about that, but with she well, was. <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. I was I was making up facts to support yeah. my argument, and you caught me. All right, it's the mushy middle that everyone yeah. fights for. But I think, um, I mean, I, I think drug meets a real deal. That's that's. I mean, he'll he'll do it. There's a lot of disillusioned people right now with uh, mm-hmm. uh, with Trudeau. Um, you know, with uh, his broken promise on electoral reform, uh, on First Nations um, reconciliation uh, there. So I do think uh, there's a lot of people who are looking for a progressive home. Uh, I think Judd Mead's political history shows that he he'll fight for what he uh, believes in, and uh, I, I I think that's I think that's his appeal. So I, I do think there's an opportunity for him there. And I do think people respond to um, legitimacy, and he he does legit he does come across as very legitimately believing in what he says he stands for and what he says he represents. Yeah. And people respond to that. And I, and I think you'll see that with, with Sheer in some ways as well, that uh, mm-hmm. there's a legitimacy there. And, and frankly, with Trudeau, there's a legitimacy. Yeah. So that, yeah. that does resonate. Yeah. I agree. I think that uh, from a communication point of view, they all come across as fairly authentic. Um, I, I mean, I understand that 
the disenchantment with Trudeau at this point. Uh, you've got me wanting to sign up to volunteer for Jagmeet, so that's... You should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, I mean, again, I'm not a political insider. They all look pretty authentic and genuine, and, uh, I, you know, I know that governing is a lot harder than running for office, so I imagine Trudeau has run into some things that... Um, are a lot harder to deal with than he thought they would be on the campaign trail. So that again brings me back to so how do we how do we choose as we as, you know as they fight for the mushy middle? Um, well, we're not, we're not be, giving this new be a young horse race for sure. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think uh, it's uh, it's Trudeau's uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Is it going to come down to a last minute scandal? A, you know, one of these minor scandals that puts people off the week before election and. Oh, we don't have tell. a James Colby yeah. here, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, only time will tell. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I think what you're starting to see is he's halfway through his mandate, and um, there was a lot of hope and promise when he came in, and as you say, when you get into office, things look a lot different than they do from the outside, mm -hmm. and, and our, frankly, our system is set up to move slowly and protect minority rights, so you can't make significant changes as, as quickly as... as people would like and and that leads to um you know disenchantment and and people mm -hmm. thinking that promises have been broken yeah mm. but are we going to see any difference in the way politics is done i mean if you look at the issue around bill 62 right so again you've got a uh, a bill in the province and uh, there's a lot of votes in quebec and the federal leaders have been uh you know, hesitant, cautious, whatever the word you want to use is to, to condemn that legislation. Uh, Jagmeet, of course, did say that he was uh, against any form of oppression. And But, you know, how, how much influence will the federal leaders put on the provincial legislature to change that bill? Especially given the polling numbers in Quebec on that bill, it, yeah. it, it's hugely favorable, it, which is surprising. And, well, and, and the Quebec government did back off a bit, did they, I think, on enforcement. Well, they certainly uh, muddied the waters. Yeah. I'm not sure if they backed off. Um, it was a very odd uh, press conference yes. given, so I'm not sure where. Uh, they're still pushing ahead as far as I know, but um, they certainly muddied the water on it. Yeah. And it is a, a, um, a very confusing bill to begin with, and enforceability. I don't, I'm not even sure how that's, that's going to be possible mm -hmm. at this point. And, and I don't think it's it's just Mr. Singh's reaction. I've had a number of people who are active liberals tell me that they're very disappointed in how Mr. Trudeau reacted. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. I've heard that as well. So, so uh, to the to the, the broader question of you know is this going to be a new generation, a new way of doing politics? I think we get a, a quicker look with the Ontario election, uh, where if uh, Ms. Wynne is you know back in the thick of it and, and looking good, then that proves that you can weather. Uh, you can weather a scandal and lots and lots and lots of bad news and still, because, you know, I mean, my view is it seems, politics as usual seems to be as close as you get to the election, the opposition, your opposition tries to just dig out, you know, give me a scandal so that I can make you, can make me the default choice, because uh, I'm the only one who's not in an active scandal. And that's, that's, you know, that's Joe Kennedy politics uh, as long as it's been. But I think, in, certainly in Ontario, where you have 15 years, or at that time, by the time the election comes around, 15 years of Liberal government, it's, you can see that a lot has changed since that time, right? So, and, and there's a very progressive agenda as well, and the Liberals have been very good to kind of cater to that side of the politics. So 
is it any different? I don't think politics is any different in Ontario. It's going to continue as it is, whereas people are fighting for different parts of the centre. You know, we've seen, uh, I think Patrick Brown has moved the, the party into the centre. Mm-hmm. He's opened up the tent. It's no longer the neoconservative party. You know, Andrea is, uh, is giving it her third kick at the can, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think it's, it's still wide open, the race. I don't mm-hmm. think it's over for the Liberals at all. So, Well, and I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, as much as we've been talking about wedge politics and, and uh, moving your agenda to your base, people want to be ruled by nice people in Ontario. We, we At the end of the day, we want our leaders to be nice. And that's a factor in, in politics in Ontario. And uh, I think that will factor into this coming election as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I also think, um, <clears throat> I mean, ultimately this election, similar to what it should have been last election, uh, should be a referendum on the Premier. And uh, unfortunately... Uh, I mean, we saw, you know, certain policy pieces or just statements that came out last election in 2014, uh, which focused on the opposition parties. And, and uh, it took the heat off and it took the spotlight off of uh, the Liberal, uh, Liberal government's track record. Um, I think that if this election is, and, and I, I see Patrick Brown actually uh, maneuvering himself, I mean, he's, he's given very little of himself publicly. Uh, with policy and just uh, not opening himself up for attack. So um, if this election does become a referendum on the Liberal Party, uh, specifically on uh, Premier Wynn, who does consistently poll as the least popular Premier in the entire country, I think that there will be a change of government. But it just depends on how the opposition plays it. So I think, uh, you know, I mean, Atul, I think you're right. Uh, Patrick Brown certainly is trying to move the party more to the middle, uh, open tent, uh, policy and at the same time, uh, by not introducing policy himself, as dangerous as that is, he is keeping the spotlight on on uh, the premier. So, but he's got time, right? So he's got. Uh, there's a policy convention coming up in November where he said, following that, there will be policy announced. So we'll, you know, let's see what that is. But you. You know, the traditional way of doing politics is that you release your platform close to the election. Now, we know mm-hmm. Harris was different. He released it like a year, mm-hmm. a year and a half yeah. beforehand and was successful in convincing people that that was uh, the right platform to adopt. But, uh, I mean, I see Isaac Patrick Brown is playing the traditional, right? So he's going to release it close to the election so people have a chance to, to look at it within the context of do we want to elect him? Do we want to elect the uh, you know the leader or the, sorry the uh, the premier or re-elect the premier or do we want to go with the uh, the third party? The liberals have done something very interesting. Traditionally, you would never separate out your leader from your party, but they have very actively begun to do that. You know where she directly said, "I don't care whether you like me or not. It's not about me. Focus on what I've done." And that's a very interesting strategy because I don't remember ever seeing something like that before. So it's a very risky strategy as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, with those polling numbers, it's a very risky strategy. And uh, I mean, ultimately, I think people are going to have to ask themselves: Are they better off now or before when uh, um, before the Liberals uh, got elected? I don't think that's the case. I think people's lives have gone a lot harder. Uh, life has become more unaffordable. I think. Uh, uh, 
um, uh, you know, um, job security is, is not what it used to be. So I think as long as those become, continue to be the issues without, you know, the conservatives, for example, shooting themselves in the foot, um, I think, uh, or, um, you know, the, the NDP as well. So I think there's, uh, there's an opportunity for change. So we seem to sashayed into provincial politics, but I think the same applies there as well. Like, are we, even though we have young leaders and we've seen a generational shift, I don't see the fundamental shift in, in politics. It's, I think it's going to be the same old game. So, so why don't we actually go around the table and then ask that question since I've already given my view. <laughs> uh, Michelle, we'll start with you. Is the changing face of politics in Canada uh, the end of the world as we know it? No, I, I actually think it's the same old, same old. I think that our parents went through this and our grandparents went through it and, and uh, we're just going through it now and uh, it's shocking to us because we've never seen it before, but it's the natural order of things. And I, I agree with Michelle. I think I should still be able to play shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals, so there's no reason why uh, I'm too... And sorry, I'm, I'm going off topic here. Um, I, so, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic probably in the way that our parents were optimistic when John Kennedy was elected and you had a, a, a more authentic-looking communicator, a more uh, accessible communicator. And so in our three federal leaders now, we have better, arguably better communicators uh, they seem more genuine, as, as Michelle said earlier. But yeah, ultimately, the, the process is going to remain the same. Uh, that's the way you get elected. Wow. Well, I mean, I do think, I mean, the, the system is what it is. So um, that's not going to change. I do think, um, I want to be a bit more optimistic and say, yes, there's a, uh, there is there is change, and we're we're seeing that already. Uh, just the way that people engage with each other. Um, I would also say the fact that um, uh, millennials—they're the largest cohort in our society—and those issues are becoming front and center. So, I mean, you cannot change the structure. The structure is what it is, but the conversation is shifting, and it's reflecting on our largest cohort, whether it's job security, whether it's, it's the environment, LGBTQ issues, or First Nation issues, those are becoming more um, important uh, in, in our dialogue as, as a country. So I do think that that has had an effect, um, you know, this generational shift has had an effect on the way we speak to each other and the dialogue, um, but obviously our structures and our system is what it is, and that won't change. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, we'd love to hear your comments. You can uh, leave a comment and a rating on iTunes, and you can listen on iTunes and Google Play. I'm Atul Sharma. Until next week.